0: Hello, and welcome to this edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast. I'm Eckhart Ernst, and I'm your host today. Over the last decade, China has become a leading developer and user of digital technologies, in particular, artificial intelligence. Whether in e-commerce, ride-hailing services, or autonomous vehicles, Chinese companies operating in these areas are world competitors, and contribute significantly to the development of their home country. At the same time, Chinese policymakers have accompanied these developments by enacting a series of regulations around data and consumer protection to ensure the proper use of these technologies and to prevent market abuses by dominant players. To date, its regulatory scope and breadth is well ahead that of leading competitors in Europe or the United States. Yet. Little is known about the effective impact of both the technological development and the regulatory activism on the world of work in China. Today, we want to explore the rise of digital China and the specific approach Chinese policymakers take in both developing and regulating the use of artificial intelligence. And to explore this topic, we could not have a better guest than Kendra Schaefer, who is with us today in the show. Kendra is head of tech policy research at Trivium China and is based in Beijing. She works on Chinese government data infrastructure, social credit system technology, and other aspects of digital regulation and development. Kendra, welcome to the Future of Work podcast.
1: Oh, it's great to be here.
0: Before we dive deeper into developments around AI in China, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and your work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I run uh, Trivium China's uh, tech policy monitoring service. What that basically means is that I uh, oversee a team of analysts that looks at uh, Chinese government documents all day long, uh, and those documents are related to tech and data. And then we analyze them and, uh, you know, inform investors and governments and corporations uh, in terms of what those documents mean.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. So tell us more about the recent developments in the tech sector in China. What are some of the key developments that you see and that we should keep an eye on? And how in particular, in your opinion, will they affect the world of work in China?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I I think first to kind of uh, as an entry point to looking at AI in China and AI regulation and how it impacts the labor force specifically, um, I think we we kind of need to understand the social backdrop of, you know, labor in China and where algorithms plug into that backdrop. So uh, many of your listeners may know that China is home to one of the world's largest um, migrant, domestic migrant labor populations, right? So you've got about 300 million migrant workers uh, who are typically rural residents. They live in in villages where there's not a lot of uh, there aren't a lot of work opportunities. and so very it's very common for them to leave the villages, go to the big cities, and, you know, find work there and send the money home. Uh, to their kids or their parents right so this is a, a you know common kind of social phenomenon and it, it used to be that those laborers were absorbed or those laborers were absorbed mostly by traditional industries like construction for example or you know heavy industry uh traditional factories right but more and more now those laborers are being absorbed by the platform economy so they're going to the cities and they are doing uh restaurant delivery or they are working for courier services or they are working for logistics companies right as drivers within a particular city or if they have a car they're working as ride hailing drivers right in many in many locations so uh, china also has a, a growing and quite severe youth unemployment crisis right and so as youth are waiting to find longer term jobs and they're exiting college, they're also turning to the platform economy uh, to, uh, you know, kind of support their their uh, entry or to supplement or their entry to the workforce or to, to supplement their income. And same thing right They're They're doing restaurant delivery. So these workers are working for these major apps like um, Meituan Dianping or Ulama or Didi, China's largest ride hailing company. Uh, or JD.coms, one of China's runs. China's one of uh, biggest China's um, uh, domestic um, logistics networks, and Shansong, which is a you know intercity errand running company who will send packages from one side of the city to the other within thirty minutes. This kind of thing. So gig work the emergence of gig work has totally changed the labor environment that has been driven by platforms in the platform sector and those platforms are run by algorithms and so what we increasingly see now is regulators turning their attention to the way that those algorithms are impacting that labor force
0: excellent so maybe kind of looking kind of the, to the next step once we have seen the the impact or the 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 rise of the digital technologies is obviously a key question for what Chinese policymakers do with with these developments. Uh, And as I mentioned at the beginning, um, from the outside, it looks like they are extremely active in regulating a lot of these new technologies. Uh, And in some sense, uh, my impression is that they're actually far ahead for their, uh, their counterparts in Europe or the United States. So maybe you can tell us a bit more about the specific way Chinese uh, uh, policymakers are regulating AI, also their motivation that drives them, and uh, how these policymakers in Beijing and elsewhere in the country try to square the challenge of, on the one hand, as you said, developing uh, these new services uh, and at the same time regulating uh, the digital tools for the benefit of society.
1: Sure, absolutely. So... China has essentially, to date, put out three major regulations that govern AI specifically. Not all of those regulations relate to labor. Um, I'll try to keep my comments kind of focused, uh, you know, focused on how those algorithms impact or how those regulations impact the labor market. But um You know, just to give everybody a kind of big picture view, China has done a lot of work on AI and data and uh, cybersecurity, you know, laws and regulations. The three, there are three big laws that form the foundation of China's cyber governance regime more broadly outside of AI. That's the cybersecurity law. Very simply, that's about, you know, the security of critical networks There's the data security law, which governs uh, data related to national security. And there's the personal information protection law, which as the title says, governs data related to individuals, right? Sensitive personal information and this kind of thing. So those three laws really only got formulated a year and a half, two years ago and finalized and put into place. And so on top of those three laws, Uh, China's cyberspace regulator, the CAC, started looking at how algorithms could be, uh, specifically algorithms and AI should be be regulated. So the first major algorithm and AI-related regulation to come out targeted recommendation algorithms. And this is the regulation that impacts labor most specifically. A recommendation algorithm under this uh, regulation basically refers to any kind of algorithm. You know, when we think of recommendation algorithms, we usually think of e-commerce, right, or social media, uh, some kind of engine that looks at maybe what you've put in your cart before, what you've clicked on, or what what ads you've viewed, and then recommends products, right, that you might want to buy or if it's social media recommends, you know, content based on videos you've viewed before or content you've clicked on before, things you've liked, that kind of stuff. Um, And this regulation does encompass those kind of recommendations, but (laughs) here's the critical piece. It also encompasses algorithms that recommend things like driver delivery schedules. So for example, let's say that I am a, you know, Driver for a restaurant delivery app, and I am, uh, yeah, and the and I need to deliver a, a a meal from you know point A to point B, and I do that, and the algorithm notes that I made that delivery in thirty minutes, and so it assumes that that delivery can be made in thirty minutes, and it now the next person who has to make that delivery that is the time the algorithm will predict, right. That uh, uh, I should be uh, delivering that package in that amount of time, or delivering that food in that amount of time, Um, and that would also, you know, that algorithm would also control things like how much rest drivers might get per hour, um, how many packages they could be expected to deliver within a certain day. So that is also included in the scope of algorithm regulations. And so this, this, you know, this law was or this regulation was implemented to deal with that. Um, And you can immediately see how that could be, you know, how platforms could abuse that kind of algorithm, right? You know, the the platforms in China have very, very low delivery fees about think about USD, maybe 50 cents uh, per delivery or thereabouts. You know, I order DoorDash in the United States and it's, you know, $10, $15 per delivery. It's very it's quite expensive. But in China, the margins on those deliveries are incredibly low, right? So workers are getting paid very little. Profit margins on each delivery for the platforms are quite low. And so that incentivizes the platforms to use these algorithms to basically, you know, optimize delivery schedules in a way that violates labor rights uh, on a de facto basis, right? Um, That might encourage them to drive... Unsafely running red lights to get to where they're supposed to go by the time the algorithm says they should be there, or incentivizes them not to rest, right, or take any breaks, or incentivizes them to, you know, work overtime, uh, you know, to, you know, hit these quotas that the algorithm has set for them, and this kind of thing. So that is where this this regulation for the workforce really focuses is how can we prevent it basically forbids algorithms from implementing those kind of stipulations that violate labor rights in any way now that is not the only thing these regulations do they're focused on a huge broad you know in terms of your original question where does uh, you know china stand against you know, maybe other other countries in terms of uh, algorithm regulation, they also look at lots of other things because it is China. They focus on um, censorship, what kind of content algorithms are allowed to disseminate on the Chinese Internet content algorithms, for example. Uh, they focus on privacy. They focus on transparency. They focus on uh, the protection of minors online. Right. You can't recommend content to kids. It's inappropriate. They focus on uh, a whole host of other of other things as well. So that was the very first uh, AI-related regulation that came out in China, um, and two other regulations have come out since then. I won't get as deep into those because they're not really labor-related. But the second one was related to deepfakes, so governing algorithms that uh, generate, you know, audio and video. Content that, that, you know, was generated by a machine and not a human being. Uh, and then this, the third policy was related to, uh, you know, chat GPT-like services, uh, AI-generated content. So those are both, uh, you know, no other country, to my knowledge, has yet put out a you know, AI-generated content regulation. Uh, Certainly not one as broad or sweeping as China has implemented. So from those perspectives, we can say that China is certainly ahead. We also know that uh, China's legislative plan for the next five years potentially includes an uh, artificial intelligence law. What that law is going to have in it is unclear yet. That that law hasn't been drafted. It's in the kind of pre-drafting research stage where policymakers are talking about what should be in it. Um, uh, so it'll probably be at least a year and, uh, more likely three, four, even five years before that law comes out and is finalized. But China already has that, uh, that policy draft on the book. So really moving forward very, very quickly in that regard.
0: Excellent. I think it's uh, certainly timely to see that, uh, at least in China, the regulator seems to move ahead uh, um, given the speed of the technological development. But I wanted to follow up on one specific uh, 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 question or point that you raised, uh, which I found very interesting, um, is that uh, if, if I understand you correctly, um, these algorithmic uh, or these AI regulation, in a sense to a certain extent, try to, uh, uh, try to in, uh, support the enforcement of labor rights, uh, which some of these platforms might uh, try to circumvent. Uh, uh, so it's, it, are you saying that essentially that so far um uh, the labor rights are not sufficiently enforced and in a sense these AI regulation are supposed to help the regulator or the policymakers to enforce these regulations through these platforms?
1: uh you could I mean, you could definitely say that the the AI tools were structured in a way to support I mean essentially what the regulations say is you cannot circumvent traditional labor rights via technology. In other, way, in other words, they're just putting down on paper the fact that, no, it is not okay to you know, violate labor rights because a machine violated those rights and you as a human didn't do it or you as a company didn't do it, right? <laughs> a machine did it. That's also not allowed is basically all those regulations say at the moment. Um, and companies have actually struggled to you know, in reality, is companies have struggled to implement those regulations and have frankly done the bare minimum necessary to meet baseline requirements in those regulations. The regulations are not very detailed. Um, they're actually quite general. In it, it, China tends to do, you know, you mentioned a minute ago that China tends to move very quickly in response to emerging technologies on the regulatory front. That's true. The The reason that China is able to move so quickly is because the regulations that they release are quite general to begin with. So you'll see an emerging technology come out, you know, like the recommendation algorithms, you'll see a regulation come out six months or a year later before policymakers really even understand the technology very well. They don't know what they're dealing with. Right. And they don't know how to regulate it, but they'll release a policy that includes some general principles for how they want to see companies treat that technology. Even before they really have a grasp on specifics. And so then they'll iterate on that, that regulation as it becomes clear where the real actual problems are. So this initial regulation, essentially just said in very simple terms, you can't use algorithms to violate labor rights, right? and uh, you know specifically, you know a little bit of language that makes it specifically to the gig, specific to the gig economy or or delivery drivers. As time goes on, I expect to see those regulations become a lot more specific, uh, and a lot more uh, detailed, right? As regulators figure out, uh, you know, really where the issues are. But but companies like Meituan did respond to the release of those regulations by doing things like, you know, we will not, you know, promising to slow down delivery schedules and not allow the algorithm to tighten, tighten, tighten. You have to get there in 30 minutes, 29 minutes, 28 minutes, 27 minutes. Right. Uh, and to ensure that there's adequate rest time and this kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, there isn't very strict guidance yet from the regulatory side on specifically what those algorithms have to do.
0: Excellent. I think this is a good segue to, to my next question, um, because, I mean, in a sense, what you're describing for China is also true in in other countries. And, and one of the key concerns that we have in, in Western countries is often the, the possible bias and discrimination that that results from the widespread uh, use and implementation of AI. So many policymakers uh, in this part of the world are very concerned that underprivileged groups on the labor market will face even worse forms of exclusion if these digital tools become widely used, how are Chinese policymakers dealing with these issues?
1: That's actually a really interesting question and an area where I would say Chinese policy Chinese policy differs a little bit from in terms of their focus area than uh, you know maybe Western countries, in the EU or the US or something like that. Um, I say that because, you know, a lot of the international or the Western conversation around AI focuses on things like algorithmic sorting of HR platforms, right? I look through your resume and if you are a person of color, you know, your resume goes to the bottom of the pile or something like that, right? I mean, that's an obvious and egregious example, but there's much more subtle examples of discrimination and bias that happen in, uh, you know, happen in, in um, kind of algorithmic job selection, that's much less of a focus in China. That said, there are discrimination and bias clauses in most of China's AI regulations. What they're mostly focused on is religion and ethnicity, not so much. And um, you know, I think you know, health, not so much on sexual orientation, not so much on, um, uh, and not so much for the purposes of job selection. Usually, what they're looking at is you know. Uh, When you are creating group segments within your algorithm to identify individuals, there are certain things that they discourage you from using as an identifier, you know, and that's, you know, religion is on the list. Ethnicity is on the list, Uh, but that hasn't really been focused on the job market yet.
0: Thank you uh, so I mean maybe one last question I have and in a sense you had already uh, started to allude to a bit is like the outlook of these regulatory developments uh, and and one of the the, the tensions I um, see in the, in the type of work that we are doing at the ILo is, is that a lot of countries struggle to find the right balance between on the one hand uh, wanting to be a technological leader in this in this new area uh, um, and at the same time you know regulating all these issues that you mentioned before uh, um, you know, on, on or on platforms, on, on discrimination, etc. Um And so the question is actually, uh, there two, are two parts to it. One of the question is, to what extent we will see that Chinese policymakers now that they have or int- already introduced all this regulation might become a bit more, let's say, relaxed and kind of fo- continue focusing on, on the de- development of the technology. And the other uh, uh, question is, or the related question is, to what extent will we see an increasing... Uh, segregation, segregation of the regulatory space across the world. Um, in the in the past, when we looked at data protection regulation, it seemed like Europe would take the lead and uh, and would you know uh, implement a data, uh, through the General Data Protection Regulation uh, um, a way of enforcing a global standard. But in AI regulation, it doesn't seem to be the case, uh, and and it, it rather looks like that with China now we're moving in a specific direction, Europe trying to follow a certain extent and the U.S. moving certainly in a very different direction, that we actually see a very uh, increasing segregation. Is that something that you observe as well? Or do you, would you you know see a, a more relaxed approach in China as well, focusing more on the technological development rather than on the regulatory front?
1: Yeah, sure. So in terms of your first question, whether or not Chinese policymakers will relax now, I think the answer to that is both yes and no. I'll explain what I mean. So we actually have a very good example. One of the very first, let's take uh, China's most recent regulation on AI, uh, for example, which is this uh, regulation for... AI-generated content. Um, One of the things that regulation requires companies to do uh, if they want to release a public-facing ChatGPT-style algorithm, right, or app that uses a ChatGPT-style algorithm, is that they have to file their algorithm with the cyberspace regulator. Uh, And (laughs) that requirement was released after companies started, you know, developing AI tools. What I what I mean by that is ChatGPT came out. Uh, you know, I think kind of hit uh, public consciousness in November of last year. Chinese companies immediately started responding uh, with their own innovative tools, and then the CAC came in and said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! There are censorship issues here. There are safety issues here." There are uh, too many risks. We don't have a, a good handle on these risks. And we need, and they went to, you know, we have talked to some of the companies in China, like Baidu, for example, they went to these companies and said, you need to slow your roll and we don't want to see you releasing any public facing algorithms until these regulations are finalized and you are compliant with these regulations. So many AI companies were really just sitting on their hands waiting for the CAC to get its act together so that they could, you know, get this license registration done and, you know, launch to the public. Meanwhile, in the U.S., companies were kind of iterating very, very quickly on artificial intelligence tools. So you had a situation where that regulation slowed down development. um, But now that bottleneck has cleared. And so now we see companies you know, one after another in China, launching public-facing AIGC tools very, very rapidly. So the the, the floodgates are open for innovation in AI. I, I don't think regulators are going to relax. I think now what they're going to do is watch for additional risks and put out increasingly strict regulations to mitigate those risks as time goes on. So uh, that's the answer to that. Um, The answer to your second question in terms of whether or not, you know, I start to see increasing segregation, you know, it's funny, I I see segregation happening along one channel and unification happening along another. Uh, What I mean by that is that most countries, China included, have drafted some kind, or at least the major players in the AI innovation space, have drafted some kind of top level UN friendly AI principles document that says, you know, AI shouldn't hurt people, and AI should be, you know, this or that, or uh, you know, protect privacy, and AI shouldn't be used for military purposes, and this kind of general high level stuff that sounds great in an international forum. But the definition of the word, you know, these these principles are almost too general to really be helpful, right? Those words, privacy you know, protecting freedom. Those words mean different things depending on who's saying them, right? So I'm not sure. So on one hand, there's a kind of general understanding that AI, among everybody, that that understanding is is common and widespread, that AI is a risk, that it needs to be regulated, that it could be, you know, quite dangerous, corrosive to economies, corrosive to society, et cetera, et cetera. Um, On the other hand, the actual way that AI is being regulated in, you know, various countries, as you said, is is starting to diverge along very different tacks, right? Um, and there is definitely some kind of segmentation happening. I, I don't think there's any chance at the moment that the EU, for example, looks to China and says, oh, well, we're going to pick up what you're doing because you've written the first regulations on that. Typically, what tends to happen is The EU looks at Chinese regulations, sees that half of the regulation is, you know, censorship focused and kind of throws the baby out with the bathwater and says that's kind of a useless, you know, Chinese Communist Party regulation. And um, that's a little bit unfortunate because while absolutely, you know, half of those regulations is about content censorship, the other half includes some very forward thinking, uh, unique consumer protections or unique you know, technological protections that would, you know, it would definitely be worth a thorough read and study. Um, so I think what is likely to happen is that uh, China will continue developing its own regulatory pathway. The EU will still probably lead uh, the Western world in, in AI- uh, thought leadership and AI regulation, and the U.S. will continue to lag behind, uh, primarily because it doesn't, it hasn't formulated at the federal level even the most fundamental laws necessary for privacy protection and AI protections, uh, such as you know a federal data privacy law. So, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the state of play right now. Um, you know, we'll see if uh, it, you know co- countries are able to kind of. Um, you know bring those things into closer alignment in international fora but but right now it's pretty discombobulated
0: thank you so much Kendra that was an excellent uh, conversation i think we, i i mean i definitely learned a lot uh, uh, today and uh, and i hope that you will be able to join us again to share n- new insights once they, they come along uh- so thanks again again for joining us today. And uh, for those of, uh, of you who listened in today, uh, you can find more about Kendra's work and Privium on, on the links on our website that we share together with this, uh, this podcast. Uh, so for now, let me wish you goodbye. Uh, I hope you will join us again soon for another edition of the ILO Future of Work podcast. Thank you very much.